It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 512 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week you're in for a real treat as I talk with Mark Wade, one of the best known and one of the highest quality writers and editors in the comics industry. These days he's serving as the publisher for Humanoids, the American version, and he's up to some great stuff. This week, in fact, Humanoids released The History of Science Fiction, which is a terrific book. I got a chance to read it. And we discussed that book as well as other things having to do with the history of science fiction. As I said, it just came out this week. So if you get to your comic shop, let them know you want to get that. It's the perfect gift for that science fiction friend of yours. Or you, if you were that science fiction friend. We talk about how it came to be, we talk about translating it from the European version to the American, and we talk about what's coming in the future for Mark and Humanoids. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy the special edition of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. I'm making progress behind the scenes, but right now, it still sounds a little different, but don't let that distract you from the wonderful interview. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's great to welcome back to the podcast, Mark Wade. Oh, gosh, he's done so many wonderful things, including Fantastic Four, uh, Captain America, uh, Flash, and has done the Justice League and done so many wonderful things and done them all well. And you're currently the, uh, the publisher for Humanoids, is what you're doing these days, among other good things. And one of the things you're doing is you're the U.S. edition editor, at least one of them, for the history of science fiction. Yeah. I got a chance to read an early edition of it. And I have to say, wow. <laughs> yeah. This thing is, is groundbreaking. This thing is awesome. It is 200 pages of, you know, it's, it's sort of half graphic novel, half illustrated text. Uh, so it's very dense, but it never feels like homework or it never feels like it's, you know, it's a chore to read. It's, it's a delight to read, but it is incredibly comprehensive. It going all the way from Homer and Mary Shelley, all the way to, you know, Ted Chang and Rebecca Roanhorse and everything in between. So. It's amazing. I, I was just, I couldn't believe it because I consider myself a science fiction guy. Right. And Me too. There, and yet I learned so much. That's why I, I, there was so much in there. I didn't know. Yeah. And the thing I really loved about it was that it went back before you know, we as Americans always think that uh, Shelley may have been the first one, but we think, you know, other Americans did it. It went back a couple hundred years before that and showed that there was even science fiction before that. Yep. And I was really impressed by that because I'm going to have to read this thing several times before I get everything, I think, because it, it's such a good book. It so, really is. The, you know, Xavier Dolo, who wrote it, 
the research is just incredible. I, I haven't thought to ask him yet how long it took him to put this thing together, but it, it had to have been years. I mean, it's, it's a gigantic undertaking. And the, and the artist, Gibral Morissette fan, does an amazing job of, of bringing it all to life and, you know, using the comics form in the way, com- you know, comics work best with, you know, dialogue and balloons and people talking and people, things happening that are big action scenes and stuff. I mean, it's really good stuff. It's the question yeah. art was the thing that I was surprised yeah. when I heard the title. I thought, oh, this is going to be one of those text intensive books that you got to really right. sit down and, and put your head into. But the artwork was really good and it moved along so well. And the changes from here to there and, and from movements and the stuff about Shelley particularly got me. I was really, yeah. I didn't know half of that stuff. Like yeah. I said, I, I thought I was a science fiction guy who knew all this stuff. And I, I was reading this going like, I didn't know that. No, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I personally am fascinated by the golden age of science fiction because I, I, I have a personal connection in that Julie Schwartz was my first editor. And of course, Julie was a part of the very founding fandom of, of science fiction back in the twenties. Um, but yeah, I'm learning all kinds of stuff and it's the, the use of sequential art throughout, but not completely is I think a really smart move because as you said, if it were just illustrated text, it might become a, as pretty as the illustrations are, it could become a bit of a slog. And so the the narrative sections or the rather the uh you know the the sequential art sections where you know hg wells and michael moorcock are having a conversation with isaac asimov or whatever um they serve two purposes i mean one is to sort of break up the the text so that it doesn't feel like it's homework uh, and another is that i think having some of the history told through the point of view of the of the people who did it um is a way of showing the history of science fiction through the lens of the people who created it, which I think is a really smart move. Yeah. Oh, it's just wonderful the way that was. When some of the people talk to each other, that was another part that I really enjoyed, like you were mentioning. Uh, there are several times when they're talking to each other, there are a whole group of them gathers yeah. and they talk to each other. And that was really enlightening to me. I mean, they, they often talk with each other and we learn a lot from what they say to each other. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just thought this whole book was so well put together. The 200 pages just fly by. Yeah. Yeah. But that said, it's, it, it is a chunk of your time. It is, I mean, they do fly by, but it is not a light. It is not a, like a, a, a one evening, you know, read. It is, I think it's a, it's an all day sucker, this thing. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'm going to read this several times. So yeah. I can pick up as much as I can from it because it's good. Now, as a U.S. edition editor, what was your role in this? Because there were original edition editors. There mm-hmm. were translators. There's all kinds of stuff involved. What was your role in putting this book together as far as for humanoids? The, there were a couple of them. I mean, one is that the reason it came to us is because we had published it overseas as, as Humanoids France had published it overseas. And when I saw the galleys, I saw the inside of the book. I'm like, wait, wait, we really, I think there, even though I can't read a word of it, I think there's really something here. Uh, had it translated and, and certainly that convinced me. Uh, what We had to do a few things. One is that there was a big section after Jules Byrne that was very, very Franco-file centric. Um, and it would, which I don't, I don't think would be as, as useful or as, 
you know, informative to American readers. So we had some of that material dropped out, but we replaced it with material that was a little more specific, uh, specifically American, and some material that dealt with, say, you know, some of the gender politics that have been happening in, in science fiction, some of the, you know, the racial politics that have been that have happened and so forth, and reflecting that. Because the other thing that book does so beautifully is not just give facts, but it gives context to a lot of what's going on. So it's not just this happened and this happened and this happened. It's sort of in the bigger context on a social, on a social level, on a political level, this is, you know, what was going on in the world at the time. Uh, that was, that was the one. And then the other, the other big chore for which I have the, uh, you know, co-editor Amanda Lucido and, uh, Ryan Lewis, who was the production guy, uh, were instrumental in is if you look, there's, as you see, there's dozens and dozens of sidebars in that book where, you know, if you, if you like what you just read about this author, here's five other things to check out, or here's, if you like this, here's six other movies you might want to look at. And as you can imagine, all of that was French material. Mm. So it, you know, I'm not going to send you to, you know, go check out a, a French movie that you can't get over here. So there was a lot of, you know, pulling new references and trying to figure out what is comparable and, you know, how do we get Saga or Graham Morrison in there and, or, or, you know, Warren Ellis, Transmetropolitan. And so, so, you know, going through item by item and making sure that we would, you know, to keep the author's intent pure and to make sure we didn't, you know, diverse too much, but still it's the, the idea of if you like this, then you will like these things, but in our edition, you'll actually be able to read and understand these things. I I was really impressed by that because I, I knew some of the stuff that was in there, but I didn't know it all. I was surprised to see All Star Superman in there by Graham Morrison, for example. Yeah, but I, straight I, up science fiction. Yeah, and and not my choice, by the way. And and by the way, neither was Kingdom Come. I want I want to point out that <laughs> this was a choice made above my protestations, not because of my protestations, but um, yeah, but I mean, what is, what is Superman if not science fiction? Right. Well, that's the wonderful thing. Well, the other thing I really enjoy is that knowing other science fictions the way I do, you see in certain places, you see Robbie the robot. I would say for uh, trademark and copyright purposes, uh, Wayne, I, I believe his name is Bob. I believe in, <laughs> I believe he's, his name is Bob and he's not, and he's he may be related to Robbie, but for trademark and copyright purposes, I'm not sure that's the case. Okay, I like to, well, let's, let's call him Bob. Okay, Bob the robot. Well, we'll go with that now. But there are other things from shall we say other known science fiction properties mm -hmm. that I recognized, and I don't know if I want to mention them now because. <laughs> <laughs> well, I we were very. I mean, when it was published in France, it's a different story. It's a, you know copyright and trademark about you know things like that are a little more lenient. The rules are different over there. So coming over here, you know, we can't have a TARDIS for nine pages in a row. We can't, you know, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker can't be a literal character in the book. These these sorts of things had to be mucked around with, and there were so we made some adjustments and, and some changes, but nothing that in any way gutted the book. But yeah, if you're a sharp eyed science fiction aficionado, you know, you may see a few things in here that look familiar, but aren't necessarily outright stated. 
Because there looks like a Power Ranger at one point. We it could, yeah, it looks like, but who it knows? Could really. be. Who no. knows who exactly what that is? And then, right. of course, there are. There's a page that has a whole bunch of um, American. See, now I want to mention them all, but I don't dare. Um, well, no, we, for, for like one image, we can we can do that. Like it's that's that's fair use. We can have a picture of Superman. We can have a picture of you know Spock. We can have that. That's cool. What the the trick was. We can't use any of those characters as narrative devices because then that's that becomes copyright and trademark infringement. Because there's Neo. Yeah. Neo's in there one time. There's a whole bunch of science fiction characters standing together. Yeah. Uh, and more than that, I'm not going to say, but Neo, I think I can mention because there's several Neos out there. And yeah, sure. I enjoyed that. I, I the Half the fun for me was to go through and see all these different characters and all these different things that are in there. And some of them, you know, you talk about the TARDIS and stuff like that. I enjoy European science fiction. And so I recognized a bunch of European science fiction stuff in yeah. there that I really liked. And I was like, oh, wow, they put that in there. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I, I recognize certain ones and it escapes my, me right at the moment. But I mean, I enjoy buying science fiction books from other countries because they tell things in different ways than we do. Oh, completely. I mean, if I've learned anything as the publisher of Humanoids US, it's how differently the European science fiction market tells stories, uh, you know, and neither better nor worse, just different, differently and, and with a completely different aesthetic to them. So no, and, and, you know, obviously now that you know the origins of this book, obviously then the European, European connection makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's just, just great. I mean, when I read them, I was like, Oh, I recognize that character. Oh, I saw that. And, and to me, Seeing them all and watching the various characters interact with each other and knowing some of them were European mm-hmm. and knowing some of them were British and some of them are different countries and stuff like right. that. I also like British science fiction because same thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the TARDIS is in a, a nonviolent circumstance. Exactly. Yes. See, in, in Americans, we like to shoot ray guns. I, that whole business about Buck Rogers ray gun was I found really wonderful business the 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 way that all these things interact and that the you accentuated the differences and also made everything seem it all comes together though it's still all science fiction that's the wonderful thing isn't it interesting that we science fiction was sort of really came from america in in a lot of ways and we very much concentrated in the early days 30s 40s early 50s on like the thinking man's hero. There were certainly ray guns and there were certainly, you know, zap, zap blasters and so forth. But the heroes of, of those books were really the, the smartest guy in the room is the hero. Right. Um, and we've moved away from that. I think we, you know, see the seventies, eighties, nineties, we moved to a more dystopian look at the, at the future. And the Brits have continued to carry that kind that, that role. Like Dr. Who is not Dr. Who if Dr. Who is using a weapon. Right. Doctor Who is Doctor Who if they're if it's all about heart and mind, and it's about the sonic screwdriver and, and about and, yeah, and you know and the other things in the TARDIS and of course like that all, oh, but it makes it different, and that's one of the things I enjoy, and, and and you know one of the things I thought you might deal with in the book, but I guess you didn't was the difference between science fiction and sci-fi, right? Well, in your view, what's the difference? 
Well, sci-fi to me is a lot more, and I'm going to get into <laughs> American stuff, Star Wars. Science fiction is more Star Trek. I got you. To I me. got you. More cerebral, more. Yeah. You know, the other, it's, uh, Star Wars is more fun, and we talked about ray guns and stuff like that. That's yeah. the difference in that, but to me, I was kind of hoping you guys would delve into that in the book. But in, in a way, you did sort of not, not on the nose, you right. talk about it some, but it's not in exactly that way. I wonder if, and I know I'm speculating, I mean, you're the first to point this out, and I wonder if from Xavier's French point of view, I wonder if the distinction is not as is not the same in his head as, as it is in our head. That's a good question. And it's something I'll ask him. Um, you know, we, you're right. We didn't hit upon that. And I'm, you know, a, having been, you know, browbeaten by Harlan Ellison for so many years about not using the term sci-fi, I tend to try to stay away from it whenever I can, but I'm sure it probably cropped up once or twice mm-hmm. in the book. Um, God, there's just so many other things I wish we could have covered. That's that's the I mean that's the thing about this book is it covers so much, and yet you know there are people just there are people we couldn't cover. There are things we couldn't cover. There are you know you could do a whole couple of pages on dangerous visions, but just not room. So you know for the you know for the effort of trying to get every what I like saying is that that index you know five pages of multi-column type and six point type that neither you or I are young enough to read, you know, that's a really good indication of how comprehensive the book is. Well, as great as this book is, I think you could do a volume two of the history of science fiction. Really? What, 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 what angle would you take? Well, like that, that one there, you can go, there's little things here and there that didn't get mentioned. You know, it's impossible at this point to do everything and that's in the science fiction universes. Well, you, you, you can't because it's not just literature. It's not just movies. I mean, we, we move through our day, mm-hmm. you know, with, in a way where science fiction touches our lives in, in some way or another, all of us, as we move the day, whether or not it's what's playing on television right now, or just the technology around us that was envisioned by Arthur C. Clarke and, and Vern and people like that. I mean, you know, I'm talking to you through an iPad. That's science fiction. <laughs> That's true. But you could expand a couple of things out. Uh, you could bring in other things that didn't get mentioned, like that sci-fi. Because, right. you know, in America, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, yeah. there's so many people I know who want to argue that point every time I talk. About <laughs> right. It. right. So for me, it would be nice to see a definitive. <laughs> this is yeah. how the science fiction world looks at it. It's but, if if Xavier has another few years ahead of him, I you know <laughs> I have no objection to publishing a volume two. Because the uh, the one thing I came away with the the first impression I got was that this barely scratched the surface. It's in a way it is a sur- it's meant to be a survey course in a way because that's the purpose of the sidebars right there, of which like I said there are dozens. Mm-hmm. I want I mean I I think that. The impression I think people are going to come away from is when they pick it up, they expect it to be a, like a five course meal. And what they realize when they've gotten through it is it's really kind of just an appetizer because there are just so many other referrals. There's so many other places to go. Like there's, it's something in here for everybody, no matter what kind of fiction, not even necessarily science fiction, but what kind of fiction you like, there are places to go. And we point you clearly in those directions. So I cannot imagine 
someone putting this down and not immediately wanting to go to a bookstore or Amazon or Kindle to, you know, to follow up on something. Because I, I was intrigued to see Conan. Yeah. In there. And I was intrigued to see there were other ones that, that surprised me a little bit because I always consider them fantasy. And that may be what? another description, science fiction versus fantasy. Mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, obviously they're inextricable, um, mm -hmm. but it's, I think that, you can't really talk about, I think that's the reason, you know, we, we have brief fleeting glimpses of Conan or whatever, because you can't really talk about science fiction without touching upon fantasy so much, but we don't do as, you know, but we don't talk at great length about Anne McCaffrey. We don't talk at great length about, you know, Dragon Riders of Pern or, or, or whatever. Um, just because there's just no space. There's just, as you see, 200 pages goes by, as you said, pretty quick. And that's, a, you know, we eat up a lot of real estate that way. I do think, I do think the history of fantasy is, you know, is maybe that's your companion book. Maybe that's a good idea. Well, again, if you know anybody who has years <laughs> ahead of them to write it, just send them my way. Because <laughs> uh, Metropolis was an interesting movie to refer to. Yeah. There were so many things in here that as I saw it, I, I had to kind of stop and think, wait a minute, Petropolis, I haven't seen that in a while. And I yeah. think about this and that, about how things go with that and the, the different characters and the different the different writers and the different, you know, uh, books and stuff. That one of the, as you mentioned, I think is a great thing that you guys do is put that little list of a couple of books and stuff at the bottom of the page. Yeah. And the, the comics at the bottom of the page and movies yeah. at the bottom of the page, because I had not seen all of those. Exactly. And to me, that was an education. I was sitting there going, oh, I didn't put that in the same class mm -hmm. as that. I, and some of that I have not seen. There are a couple, and I don't have it in front of me, so I, don't, I can't remember specifically. But yeah, there are a couple of movies that are like, oh, wait, is that really? Well, I guess if you think about it, it is science fiction. There's a couple of, there's a, a few of those moments in there. Um, that stuff was curated pretty carefully. And that stuff was curated with very mindfully, if you will. So, you know, none of that was haphazard. None of it was just, ah, we got to stick something in there. Let's just pull something off the web. So, um, but yeah, you learn so much, you know, and getting back to the fantasy of it, you know, you also can't talk about science fiction without talking about, you know, uh, H.P. Lovecraft and Ashton Clark and, and so many other pioneers um, in that era. So, so there's a little touching on, you know, there's a little bit there of that stuff. Uh, we don't get to drop one of my favorite little facts, uh, which is, again, about my friend Julie Schwartz, mm. who was Ray Bradbury's first agent and H.P. Lovecraft's last agent. <laughs> Wow, see that would be fun to explore some more. There's, there's, yeah, that, that's the beauty of it. You could, there's a good fistful of people in this book that you could pull out and do an entire book on. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I enjoyed was this the uh, this group sitting around a table: Isaac Asimov, Robert Heinlein, John Wood Campbell, and and Ben Voigt. Right, and Silverberg, I think, and he's in the list, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. All those people talking to each other. You know, is is that conjecture? It it's conjecture, but leavened with a great deal of research and and reading. So, and and you know, listening to interviews and trying to capture voices and so forth. I we sent it to Silverberg, and uh, you know, all he said was, 
well, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I was wearing a beard back then. That's all he said. He didn't say anything <laughs> about, that's not what I sound like, or that's not something I would have said. So I think that's a good sign. Well, that's great. I mean, because again, when people talk to each other, we learn from what they say to each other. Exactly. You know, they talk about certain things. One of them brings up something. One says something about a, a subject, and then somebody else brings up something in that same subject that they did. And to me, and that's a, really educational. I really yeah. enjoyed that. And it's especially important in a graphic novel form because you don't have a lot of real estate. You know, you don't want to overcrowd the the balloons with 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 language. You don't want to make the, the thing look so text heavy that. I've always said writing for comics is really the economy of storytelling. You're trying to find a way to say the most and the least number of words and let the, let the pictures do a lot of the heavy lifting. And on top of that, try to get to a point where ideally every single line of dialogue either tells you something about the speaker or moves the story along or, or one of those two things mm-hmm. so that you don't have a whole lot of just blathering. You're right. Every, every line of dialogue in there is, yeah. I, it's like Jenga. I mean, I really think it's that tight. Like you pull out, pull out one of those characters from that conversation and the whole thing falls apart. It was a lot of fun to see the different ways that you covered a lot of territory. Yeah. You know, like them sitting around and eating a meal. And then on the other hand, there, there's times when they're talking to each other in different circumstances. Yeah. And I found that very educational. And I also found that enjoyable and sometimes it would go veer off into a real experience that they had yeah and and to me mixing that all up really kept it vibrant to me and i i kept turning the page what's next what's next because it's good that it's really yeah thank you that's a that's a really good word for it and again that's that is that is why so much of it needs to be in the sequential art format because that's what keeps it vibrant because again you know, there's, there's a point at which, you know, you can get through three, there's, there's certain sections where three or four pages of that heavy text illustration text is okay. But if I had to do nine pages in a row, I would, I would die. You know what I also enjoyed? I enjoyed Isaac Asimov being turned down. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Because, you know, Isaac Asimov now is you know, an ideal, an idol. Mm-hmm. And to see that he had to go through all that yeah. to get his stuff published. Yeah. I, I that was very encouraging to me. <laughs> it, it really is. You have to remember that all these people were young, you know, were, were kids at some point, and all of them were starry-eyed kids who were trying to get stuff off there. And yeah, the you know, the story of Isaac Asimov in the book about, you know, just having to keep hammering away and hammering away and hammering away at at uh, Campbell to try to get him to pay attention to stuff. Good stuff. And again, like you said, inspirational because we think of these people as gods, but they had to start somewhere too. It reminded me of a, uh, there was a book that came out about Bruce Tim from Batman animated series. And they talked about the fact, and and to me, Bruce Tim is like an animation God. I just, of course, the most amazing. He talked in this book. uh, It was about his experience. And he had gone, he was working for this guy that was a very rough and tumble guy. And he told, he brought him in on a Friday afternoon. He took all his drawings and he took his an elbow that he drew and he drew a potato on top of it. Okay. And he said, see, that's a potato. That's not an elbow. And Bruce Tim went home and he was ready to quit. Yeah. Because he had spent the whole Friday being told what a terrible artist he was. Right. 
and he almost quit. But then he went back and said, you know what? I'm going to learn from this experience. He went back and the guy taught him stuff that he didn't know. And I just kind of, and it was the same feeling with Isaac Asimov. I got that same sense that we should take courage when people tell us no. It is, it is virtually impossible for me to actually imagine Isaac, Isaac Asimov having enough of being able to put his ego aside long enough to actually take lessons from somebody, but clearly he did. Yes. And, and I just, I, I want to talk a little bit about the art too, because the facial expressions were really nicely done, I thought, and different characters. We were able to tell different characters from each other, but we also got to see their expressions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really nicely done on the way that they moved. So one time they're walking down the stairs and they're at the bottom of the stairs talking to each other. Yeah, And the way that the, the heads move around and they talk to each other and stuff like that, it's very realistic to me. I, I really, you know, I could, that's why I was asking, is this sort of, uh, is it may, is sometimes are, are we make believing that just so we can tell the story in a more compelling way? And, and that's okay for that, for me, yeah. because I want to learn the, the lessons you're you guys are teaching us. Yeah. And and by, by, yeah. And by the way, Gibral is amazing when it comes to the art in this thing and, and making, like you said, everything look natural, making these people look bang on. The likenesses are astounding. You know, well, he also does the, the, the thing where he talks about the three rules of, ro of robots. Yes. Uh, and, and that was fun where he had the robots are in different positions as they tell the different rules and the mm -hmm. way that they do that. It's kind of touching the way that yeah. the robots do it. They are kind of, at one point, he's got one finger up and he's got a hand behind his back. And then the next one, he's got like a, like a little, like almost like a begging pose. And then the next one, he's explaining. Yeah. And I thought that is really, you know, that's good for us as readers, you know, that the robots are, are explained to us in a way that we'll understand it. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. That was one of the panels that stood out to me. Yeah, like that beautiful, beautiful way that those three. I mean, that could have been boring as could be. And it was exactly. it was absolutely engaging. That was really wonderful. I think you could say that about a lot of things in the book, that it could have been boring. And yet Xavier and Gibral managed to bring it to life. That's a thing. It, it's beautifully done. I mean, thank you. Was was most of it this way? You said there were parts you had to replace, but was most of it mostly just replacing the language, the the words? The, the biggest part, yeah. I mean, the 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 bulk of it was yes, just just having it translated and then polishing the translation because obviously you can't just do a straight up word for word translation, and it has a, that has its own set of challenges because when you're working with a translated book like we do at Humanoids, often uh, we can change the language. But the balloons and captions, their shapes, their sizes, that's embedded in the art. So not only do we have to translate, but we have to still fit the space for every balloon, every caption, so forth. And it becomes very tricky sometimes. Yep. Now, there was a couple page sequence that I really enjoyed, the Pantheon of Science Fiction. Yeah. I, I, I learned a lot from reading those. I, I didn't know who, for example, even though I'm a big Superman fan, I, I didn't know who Alfred Bester was. Right. Okay. There you go. See, and that's perfect. You, 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 that's, that's a great example. I was shocked. I said, I don't know who that is. And of course, immediately I, I had to go out on Google and find out who is that guy. I He's don't know amazing. Who he, is. he is amazing. I, I was stunned. 
buy all the stuff. And all the other things I had to look up too. I mean, Philip Jose Farmer, I was really, I didn't know much about that person. And now, now see what I want to do with this book. I want to use this as like a launching off place to look and find out more about these people. And that I, is what we want you to use it for too. It's a, a basic knowledge and the basic things are really interesting, but I want to know more. There's a yeah. lot more I want to know because knowing what I know, uh, oh, there's got to be a whole lot more that fascinates me about these people. Yeah. So, and, and another thing I thought was really good was the updating on the role of women in science fiction. That was important. Uh, it was not, that was one of the sections that we added. Um, because it was important, it was it's important overseas, but it it is more of a talking point here, and just and understandably so. I mean, it's just it's just more of a of a flashpoint for us here. So we wanted that touched upon, but I think Savior did a really nice job with that. Yeah, and the reproduction of the covers, yeah, those turned out really well done too. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the Fury Agent and Black Science. Yep, that's I, Ryan Lewis. That's our designer, Ryan Lewis, who, again, we could not have done this without. It was it's just astounding. And then, too, the covers of the magazines yeah. were, were really good. Uh, the fantasy and sci- the magazine of science, uh, fantasy and science fiction. I've seen that magazine when I've gone to conventions. And when I looked at it, I, I looked at it, I said, oh, I know that magazine. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and to do that, and, and again... And Big Guy and uh, Rusty the Boy Robot, it's one of my mm-hmm. very favorite Frank Miller books yeah. ever. And there it was. And I was like, oh, I, I, it makes me want to go pull that book out and read that again. Because exactly. I really love that. So th- this book, if it does nothing else but educate us and mm-hmm. move us into more education, I, it's going to be so worth it just to have I- it just for that. I genuinely believe in my heart that this book is going to be on library shelves forever, and it's going to be in classrooms, in high schools and colleges. I, I genuinely believe that because this is, uh, I've never seen anything like this. In 40 years of, of being in comics and graphic novels, I've never seen anything like this. It's absolutely astoundingly great. Yeah, thank you. you know, it, it's just, <laughs> I, I could go on and on about the wonderful things that I read. Uh, Russell, which I really loved, is in here, and uh, all these different books and all these different people and stuff. Yeah. It's just astounding. And, and even the novels and stuff like that. Yeah. The covers are great. It just, oh, man, I just, all I want to do is take this out and say, okay, now I'm going to read that book. <laughs> right. And That's what read. we want out of this too. Yes. So well done. So what now this just came out in, in the States here. So right. it, it came out on Wednesday. So it's going to be, if you, if your store doesn't have it, mm-hmm. do you remember how much it retails for? I want to say twenty nine ninety five. I mean, I want to say it's it's reasonably inexpensive. Either that or thirty nine ninety five. But let's. I remember being shocked at how <laughs> how little we were charging for it, given what we got. But I think it's important to keep that price low to keep it in people's hands. It's so worth it. That is a great price. I'm going to go out and get it. I'm going to tell my store when I go in next Wednesday. I'm going to say, order this book for me. Do it. Do she it. Did, she didn't get it this week. And I, I didn't bring it up to her at that point because I was asking for a lot of other things anyway. So I thought yeah. I better get because. And then there's even like Snowpiercer for heaven's sakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I was reading that and watching that on on uh, uh, is it TNT? I think it is where it's on. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, the whole point was to be as as broad 
as possible and try to, you know, hit upon as much of it as we possibly could while knowing that there's still tons we couldn't have room for. And yet I don't know anything about the ankle. I, I don't know that, what that right. is. So we, I got to look that up. Yeah, we definitely need to do that because that's the cornerstone of Humanoids Publishing. So, yes, yeah, you need see, to do that. See, I need to – now, I read the comics of the Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. Right. That came out from Boom Studios, which I liked. And, and that was, so Yeah, that was tough, by the way. This is the a little behind-the-scenes story there is that it's, it is a comic, but it is really illustrated text because the rights – I was at Boom at the time – working as the, I think, creative director. And the rights for that story were only for, the only grant rights they would grant is if we use the story, every word of it verbatim. In other words, they weren't interested in licensing an adaptation. They were only interested in licensing the book itself. And so what's interesting about it, as you, you know, as you've seen is it's many issues, but it is literally illustrated, the, the, the illustrated book. I wondered about that because I, I looked at it and I saw all the text. Yeah. And as I remembered it, it was all the text from that. It book. was every word of the text. Exactly. Wow. The whole idea is we, you know, illustrated book is all they would license. And so we were, we were all in. See that that's a great accomplishment. I didn't know that. That, yeah. that was great. Cause I love that book. So that, oh man, it makes it even better. I didn't even a book, but for 200 pages and for 2995, that is a wonderful if you're a science fiction fan, this is a must-have. It is a bargain, absolutely. You you, you got to have because there are things I didn't know. As I keep saying, there's parts of it I never, I I had no idea. And so for me, this is going to be one of those reference books. Like you're right, it's not only going to be in the libraries and stuff like that. It's going to be on my see that bookcase back there. Yep, going right in there. So there when go. I want to know something about this, I am going to have that there so I can look into it. There, there are coffee tables all over the United States that are yearning for this book. <laughs> it's so great. And it just came out, too. Now is the perfect time yep. to, to catch up on it and to get it. In great, your, and a great your, holiday gift for the, you know, the science fiction fan that you know or the wannabe science fiction fan that you want to convert. You know, good, good gift. Because this is I always tell people to give people uh, gift cards because mm-hmm. how do you know what somebody wants? But if you know a science fiction fan. There's no guessing. This is going to be no. what I'm going to want. Yes. Terrific stuff. So it's just just a wonderful book. I have to congratulate you guys. This is absolutely stunning. I couldn't stop reading it when I started. It was Thank you so terrific. much. So wonderful. So as, let's talk about humanoids a little. We haven't done that very much. Tell sure. me what's going on with humanoids right now. This is, I mean, we have uh, recently, I guess the last couple of years, last couple of weeks ago, I'm sorry, it's been a long day. Uh, we announced that uh, that we have uh, a movie adaptation in the works on the ink out from which, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you know, and you know, no one better to 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 take the you know the reins on that. So I think that we've you know that's going to be awesome. Um, that is you know that's our that's our biggest news. We also have. Uh, a number of books coming still coming out. We have a, a couple of higher end books that deal with Think How, deal with the other universes that Alejandro Jordorowski created for us. Um, we also have our life drawn line, which is not science fiction, which is grounded real world books. We just published one called Lugosi, which is the biography of Bella Lugosi. Uh, you know, we've we have a couple coming out that are 
fiction, more for YA ages. Um, it's a, what I like about it is it's humanoids is a pretty big tent. So, yeah. Great. Right now, if people want to keep up with the stuff you're doing at humanoids, how do they do that? There's a website, Facebook, how do people, there's the website. Yeah. There's the website. You can also follow us on Twitter. And, uh, but you know, like I said, the big news, you know, Taika Waititi, I guess I should have mentioned that minutes ago when I was talking about the the movie, but that's, you know, that's whose hands it's in. And I think that's going to be terrific for us, but yeah, find out more about us there. And, uh, you know, on social media, we will, we will meet you there. And of course, as I mentioned at the beginning, what a great writer you are. Are you writing much these days? Are you kind of editing? What's the, what's your, your ball game these days? I'm finding, I'm finding a little bit of time to do a little bit of work in DC, little, a little Superman work here and there. And, uh, a little bit of humanoids writing that is more long form stuff that, you know, is, you know, a little further out. Um, but I, I keep my I keep my toe in it. Yeah, have you counted how many times that your story about Rachel Ghoul and the the beating of the Justice League has actually happened in different mediums and been referred to in DC? <laughs> it is it is flattering. It is like, I tell you there there is nothing quite like when you're dealing with these characters that are, are characters that you don't own, but you're just kind of you know working on Batman and Superman or whatever. There's nothing quite like seeing that something you wrote is picked up by someone else or reflected in some other medium or, or whatever. That's just, it makes you feel like you, like you really added something to the, to the legend. Every time I see the, hear the word speed force coming out of my TV, I just light up. <laughs> Cause they do that on the flash show all the time. Now. All the time. It's just great. Cause uh, it's so interesting because you know, the Flash was one of those characters they didn't know what to do with for a long time. They just sort of killed him. So, well, we, we don't know what to do. Right. And, but you have always had the idea what to do with the Flash. And you're one of the, the in my mind, one of the primo Flash writers. You. You're very kind. You know how to do. I mean, other people find him very difficult to write, but you didn't. You knew what to do with that character. And I yep. always, always like that. There is I, my love for the DC characters is so profound that I I don't think there's any of them that I can't do a thirty minute monologue about and who they are <laughs> and how to understand them. So um, let me step. Oh, by the way, let me step in here and just say that I appreciate your kind words about the Flash. I will say that there's a guy named Jeremy Adams who is writing the book right now, and it is great. It's the it's it's been very good for a long time, but this really hits the sweet spot for me. This feels very much like my Flash. Really? Wow. Yeah. I like Joshua Williamson. He did Flash for a He's while. Good. He was really good as well. His run was terrific. Oh, yeah. Th- th- this is the thing. Uh, DC gave up too quick on the Flash in my mind. I think they should have mm-hmm. they should have approached you or, or, or Joshua Williamson or because he wasn't doing it back then. But there are so many good Flash stories yet to be told, I think, that uh, they could yeah. come back to you and you could tell them a whole bunch of stories that should be done. There's still time. <laughs> Well, Mark, just keep up the wonderful stuff. And again, it's the history of science fiction. Boy, it's a great book. If you like science fiction, if you want to know more about science fiction, this is the place to go and get this book. It's a wonderful book from Humanoids. Get to your store this week and tell them that you want this book because let me tell you, it's worth having. Even if you've got a little knowledge of science fiction, you'd like to know more. There's a encyclopedia in here that you're going to want to have because it's got so much good information 
that'll just, it's going to be so worth it to buy. And with Christmas coming up, if you know somebody like that, get this book and give that to them because it's a wonderful book. And uh, I hope Humanoids keeps going and makes wonderful stuff. And I hope I get to more, read more of your writing, too, because I always like your writing. It's so great. You're very kind. Thank you very much. You'll, there'll be more in the, in the near future. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this episode. Be back next time I'll have another great interview with an excellent comics creator. Something I'm sure you won't want to miss. But until then, keep reading your comics.